most of the books which are online or which are being sold on Amazon, for example, are about how to build a SaaS business and what strategies to take on that perspective. All these books are more for companies like us building a SaaS business, but are not actually for our customers a strategy to how to migrate your existing stack to a SaaS stack. Welcome everyone for a new episode of the IT Standup. Today I'm not interviewing an IT leader, but I will be answering a question which is often asked to me. The question is where to start when moving your software stack to software as a service or SaaS. And it's still a standup, so I will keep it short. But let me start with a small story, because as a company we transformed from building and hosting on-premise software solutions for our customers. Um, to a cloud-native SaaS solutions the past year. So we, we made a transformation. And back in the days, let's say 15 years ago, the early days, we even had our servers hosted in-house and sometimes even running on the desk of the engineers. And I remember how labor-intensive and prone to error this time was because, for example, I clearly remember a hot summer day in the office. And when we turned on the air conditioning, it took too much power and our servers went down in the office. So resulting that all our customer live websites were down as well. And not only our customer websites, our internal systems were also down. And yeah, well, the temperature in the office on that day was rising even more, I can tell you. So, but yeah, many, many years later, after many, many transitions, we are already hosting for our customers as well as our internal servers and services, they are safely running in the, in the cloud nowadays. And it's not only about running the service, but it's also about the software itself. Our customers are running and landing on our SaaS solution and getting continuously upgrades, which add agility and flexibility to them. So, and we moved actually as a company from yeah, maybe 15 years ago, more as an agency selling every wish to our customers and developing that. Now moving more to consultants and of course a SaaS solution that we clearly make sure that our customers will fit on our SaaS solution and be successful with that. Still being able to tailor the needs if they want to. They have specific wishes. Everybody has them. So we make sure that we have that available in the platform for our customers. But besides of our product that we are making, also the internal tools that we are using nowadays in the company has transformed from tools which we developed or customized by ourselves because yeah, we were an IT company or product building company. So we had developers, we can make everything, right? But we clearly made a decision, okay, let's not focus on that anymore, but choose our own or choose SaaS software because yeah, you cannot build or be special in everything, right? So for every new replacement or for every new software that we were purchasing for a certain wish, we were replacing that with SaaS software. And yeah, that landscape is growing and growing and the selection of SaaS tools we are using nowadays consists of, for example, Marketo for marketing automation. And of course, our Office 365 for, you know, for our office tooling. We use Microsoft Business Central for our ERP and financial systems in the cloud. We use Showpad, Outreach, 
for our sales department and so on and so on. So and while going through this you know, transformation as a company and product, also our customers needed to transform. And in this podcast, I want to share where to start to move your software stack to SaaS. Because this question is often asked and I'm also surprised how much software is still running on-premise and not running as a service even in 2022. And it's not only my personal finding, but following the Gartner forecast on IT spend, it's clearly stated that there is an 11% growth expected coming year in software spend and because organizations are focusing on upgrading their software stack to software as a service to support continued flexibility and agility. And even because of COVID, I think the past two years, that has passed a little bit, that transformation as well. So probably because IT leaders had other, let's say, priorities at that very moment, making sure that people could work from home or had other troubles, making sure that, yeah, production could continue, etc. So we talking with two IT leaders, I clearly see that there is still a lot to gain. Also looking around online, if you, for example, want to Google for a book, let's say migrating to SaaS for dummies, yeah, you will maybe see a couple of things from ISVs or from software vendors that are building their own content, but there are not really books online. Most of the books which are online or which are being sold on Amazon, for example, are about how to build a SaaS business and what strategies to take on that perspective. All these books are more for companies like us building a SaaS business, but are not actually for our customers a strategy to uh, how to migrate your existing stack to a SaaS stack. And our customers are asking this question over and over. And especially the IT leaders are sometimes with their hands in their hair or in, on their head and say, okay, yeah, what to do? Because our board has decided to say, okay, from now on, we're only going to purchase or we're going to use only SaaS solutions and you need to purchase that or you need to move there as fast as possible. But how can you as an IT leader explain to the board or to your stakeholders what this entails or what steps to take and how easy or difficult it is? That is very important, of course. And today, I'm not explaining in detail actually what the benefits of SaaS are because there are a lot of blogs already around and most software suppliers are talking about this topic. And anyway, Maybe we can dedicate a separate podcast on it, but it's definitely the place to be, to be very short for automatic upgrades, slower hardware and maintenance costs, and more scalability options and higher security. Okay, so heads up. What's then exactly what you need to do? First of all, upgrading your current software stack, depending of course also on the size of your company, will not be an easy job, but it's definitely doable if you're taking a look at our customers. So in the first problem, uh, what I want to share with you, what to talk about is that current software or the software stack that you're using is often customized. So during the many years that your businesses exist and um, the usage of the software and the company changes along the way made them very customized because every time you want something new, right? You have a new opportunity to explore or there is a new business that you're starting or you're taking over another business. So these landscapes are endlessly growing. And if you're in back in the days, we're not aware of, let's say, okay, let's move to SaaS in the future, then probably you have customized a lot of things along the way. So I compare it often with living in a house for many years. And at some point in time, you want to move over. 
So you want to make a move to, for example, your new house that you have built. And if you then are going to pack and you can see what kind of stuff you have collected over all these years time, yeah, then it's sometimes hard to make a decision. Okay, what do I keep or what do I want to move? But definitely there are ways to deal with this. And I will tell you more about that later. The second problem is that often this software is also still running on-premise. And I'm amazed to see how many IT leaders still have their servers running at their local offices and not have moved all of them, if not even a portion of them, to the public cloud or to cloud services or to SaaS solutions. And although they are very afraid of these cyber threats and issues around that, to move these systems that are so strangled in the IT landscape is not easy at all. But I can tell you, yeah, and always these IT leaders are also mentioning, yeah, but is it safer in the cloud or is it safer in such uh, to leave your data at these big organizations? I can better protect my own fortress, let's say so. Yeah, I was really inspired when visiting data centers from public cloud suppliers like Azure, Microsoft Azure, that when I was entering that building, I clearly saw, say, hey, yeah, this is completely other ball game. It's like a military operation. It's at such a large scale that you can never replicate. Even the big enterprises, I think, will have difficulties to have the same level of, of security and scalability as, let's say, the Amazons and the Microsoft and Googles are doing. So that was also the reason for us, let's say, five, six years that we yeah, made the transition even faster. And, and yeah, actually, we are already living in the cloud for many, many years. All right, so it's complex. Where do we start? So the first step is to define clearly what software do you have in place already? Yeah, it's obvious, right? But how do you use them? That is maybe not so obvious because so often I see examples that software is used not for their intention. So for example, CRM systems that are over the years have been involved into ticketing systems, for example, or content management systems that are also doing e-commerce transactions or other stuff that they are not intended to do so. So a thing that you could do first, a practical step is to create a map or let's say a chart of all the systems that you have. It can be a nice interactive session with your team or with stakeholders in the company and plot them in a nice graph like, for example, Philips has done for their marketing and e-commerce systems. You can Google this online. That's a pretty famous picture. And you can do this on all scales, right? So Philips did this nicely for, let's say, a subset of their stack because it's only focusing on marketing and e-commerce activities. But depending on your company size, you can do that on a certain part of the customer journey or a certain department or of your whole organization, obviously. And just summarize or brainstorm on or identify on all the applications that you have, put them or align them or try to group them, for example, on different steps in the customer journey that you're following or supplying to your customers or maybe mapping them to internal processes that are important depending on your business. So then you have an overview. And maybe such a nice styled graph from Philips is maybe a little bit a bridge too far. So you can also just use a simple whiteboard session like we did. And that is also a good start. The goal is actually then to determine what system that you already have and also to validate if you are using these for the right thing and using the right tool for the right job. So in the second thing, and let's me move back to moving or moving houses. And the second thing is, yeah, getting rid of all those customizations within your existing software stack. 
And when talking to customers, it is always there. And many of these customizations has just been created because they believed at that certain time that it was needed just by gut feeling or say, no, we need to have it because competition has it, or we need to have it because we believe it will be successful. But it's often not really being connected to goals or to data gathering and so on. So the first thing, of course, that you need to do is focus on value and measure success and ask yourself, are you really that special or is that something that you can achieve that goal in other ways? And coming back to, let's say, the problem of moving houses is think about, for example, that you're collecting a lot of stuff over the time or you're modifying your house all over the time because of certain purposes, right? If you're getting kids, probably in the beginning, you need to adjust your house because the kids are running around and maybe they can get in danger, you know, falling off the stairs or so on and so on. But after a couple of years, these things are not needed anymore. So you can you remo- remove these kind of fences or something like that. Or the toys that the kids are playing with, you know, a two-year-old kid is playing with different tools than if they are five, six or 10 years old, right? So, and if you're moving houses and you still have all that old stuff, yeah, get rid of it and make sure that you align it with, yeah, the things that you need at a certain moment. And yeah, I I moved houses a couple of years ago, so I, I know from experience what a job that is, but it is feasible and it's easy and it's also a good new start, right? So yeah, define the goals that you want to achieve and defining goals can be on all different levels, but often here also a mistake are being made that the goals are often too far ahead or something like that. So if you take B2B e-commerce as an example, a lot of, let's say, ideas or things they want to achieve at the platform are, for example, about conversion optimization or, in our opinion, very far already in the process. But it's much more interesting or even better and also better to achieve success, depending, of course, on your maturity level, but to, to split it into different goals for different time frames, and to, you know, to start with, for example, first with adoption-focused goals, as to get people on the platform, for example, later on move that to feature usage. So, okay, are they selecting products or are they trying to do search? And then later on focus on order placements and other things, and then later on focus on conversion optimization, etc. So... Do not make this big jump already to things that are maybe really important from your gut feeling or from your what you think it's important, but really connected to say, hey, yeah, but what is where in what maturity level are we and where to start? And another tip I want to give is that all SaaS software vendors in the world spend a huge amount of time on training, documentation, in-product help, like us at Sana, you know, we have our portals, we have our in-product help, etc. But make sure that you as a customer invest a bit of time to understand what the tool is actually capable of. And even if you're a larger organization, you can maybe even define product owners per product or per per area of, of products to create focus and specialism. And the goal here is that you look for solutions within the box. And so Often I see companies that are not aware of all the functionalities that they are actually having in their software stack and they start just customizing because they think, okay, it's needed. But that is, of course, a huge waste if you can just use the tools and the existing functionality which is available. Also explore what is available around the application. So if you run into a missing feature and probably nine out of 10 times, you do not have to reinvent the wheel. So start Googling and see and look for opportunities 
to solve it in another, let's say, layer in your, in your tech stack, for example, or within the solution, there is a lot of things available. There are HTML plugins and the website I'm showing here is like elfsites.com, which is a nice place where you have an overview of all kinds of plugins that you can just embed in HTML and a lot of tools that can embed HTML plugins or are available, you know, every solution that has a, a front-end, for example, has this capability. So it's a very easy way to extend something with functionality that you maybe not have in your solution. So use this to not start customizing it, but to pick and pack and select if there is already something available. Or use low-code or, or no-code platforms to embed functionality. Think about embedding complex forms, for example, that otherwise needs to be developed or create reporting that otherwise needs to be developed. There is a lot of tooling around and I'm just, uh, for example, we are using the Microsoft Power Platform, but you can also use Mendix or OutSystems. There are so many vendors in the market. And these tools especially work well on the UI layer, but they also work well to automate stuff maybe in a lower layer of your SaaS software stack, for example, sending notifications based on events or sending messages between systems. So again, message here is to use the existing tools around in the world to solve the requirements that you have and do not start or dive into customizing right away. So yeah, let's do a short overview so far. So first, make sure that you create an overview, choose your software carefully, use the right tools for the right intent and they are being developed for. Second, get rid of the unneeded customizations. And let's move to the third one. And the third one is to make sure your new SaaS software that you're selecting is integrating perfectly with the rest of your landscape, right? That is a crucial part of it. And actually one of the fundamentals when we were inventing SANA back in the days, because it still applies today and so many IT budgets are still being used to make sure a solution integrates within an existing landscape. So yeah, what can you try or how can you prepare for this? So one of the things you could do is not to only check if there are APIs or import and exports or when you're selecting software, but also really do a trial or proof of concept because yeah, the SaaS software nowadays should, yeah, should integrate well, right? It should be able to connect with other systems in an easy way. At least most of them should do that. So try if your solution is able to do so. Try it out for a couple of days or weeks and see if, if it integrates well, then you can directly start using it. So and the last thing I want to share today and is to take the step-by-step approach. Try to replace your software and doing so create or move your software stack to SaaS. Uh, you can choose best of breed solutions to accomplish this, focus these software solutions on the primary task and make the perfect combination. So take the ingredients from the other two steps. So hey, your overview, your existing overview, the goals that you want to achieve, check your existing software vendors if they have SaaS solutions or check if there are other ones that you maybe can change and put them on a simple value complexity metrics that we also often use it's Anna for product development purposes, but also just for making decisions and just plot them and see, okay, hey, let's take this one first, or maybe we should do this next year or something like that. And step-by-step step, changing your software. So another thing you could do is if you still have, for example, a legacy ERP system, you can still look for solutions that can even work with that. So for example, with B2B e-commerce and SANA, you can connect and integrate with these as well. So you can still have an high-end or new SaaS B2B e-commerce system working with your legacy ERP or legacy backend systems. 
I see in the market that, for example, other system integrators are taking the same approach nowadays. So if it's still quite hard for to split, for example, a ERP system or replace a CRM or ERP system because it's heavily customized, then they bring these customizations to, for example, low-code, no-code platform to improve it from there to quickly add value and reduce the amount of customizations in these, let's say, ERP systems or CRM systems. And from there, if that is being reduced, then the upgrade to a SaaS version of it is easier. So that is another tip that you could follow. All right. So to summarize this and to finalize my presentation or this podcast for today is, first of all, identify your landscape, make sure that you use the software wisely. Second, get rid of your customizations. Are you really that special? First, make the goals and start measuring it and not directly start customization. Third one, check if the vendors that are there are integrating well with the landscape you're foreseeing. And fourth is do the step-by-step approach with taking the existing landscape and the goals that you want to achieve. Make a value and complexity metrics from it. And yeah, also think out of the box, for example, to select tools that can work with legacy systems to already replace, let's say, for example, e-commerce, B2B e-commerce, or use local no-code platforms to solve certain processes and move them out of heavily customized systems, bring them to SaaS, and from there on, reduce the amount of customizations in these legacy systems. And from there on, have an easier migration to a SaaS version of it. So this was what I wanted to share in this IT stand-up. If you have more questions, ask them via LinkedIn, send me a direct message, or register for the next B2B e-commerce tech talk. Thank you very much. See you again.